got some amazing news for those of you who have been waiting the last month or two, but midweek is starting back this Wednesday, which is awesome. I know we got several hundred thousand million questions about when we were starting back, and we are starting back this Wednesday. Uh, Miss Terry will be in here, and Miss, Miss Scott, Mr. Scott will be <laughs> in men's ministry, and, uh, and, and the students uh, will just be, the, the earthquake that you feel, that's not an earthquake. That is student ministry, worshiping God and knocking stuff over. So um, it's preteens and everything's coming back. I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting, but listen, if you're a human, be here on Wednesday. That's the, that's the point I'm making. Um, if, if you're new to the church and you've never been a part of midweek, you've never been a part of men's and women's ministry or student ministry, this is everybody's, listen, people come to church on Sunday just so they can be a part of Wednesday, okay? They, that's how much people love Wednesday night and connecting with people and hearing uh, the, the word taught just in an in a intimate way, uh, and it's just, it's an incredible time. So if you're new to the church, you're looking for a way to get connected, be here on Wednesday night. It's just, an, it's an, it truly is just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, we are uh, right near the end, and I say that cautiously because this might be the last message of this series, and there might be three more. I don't really know. So I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, but I don't want to lie to you at the same time. Um, usually this is, this is how it goes for me. You know, I'll, the Lord will just have me so focused, and, and then when it changes and shifts and I know the next thing's ready, then I just go. We just kind of go. And I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that today's message is one of the most needed messages of this series. And it's not that it's any more important, what we're talking about today. It's not that it's any more important than prayer because it's not. It's not because it's any more important than, than reading the word of God and letting the word of God consume us because it's not. Uh, it, it's not that it, it holds you know, a greater value than the truth that everything that we would ever need in our life to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ and to be who God has called us uh, to be and do the things that God has called us to, to do, that, that we have all of that in our relationship with Jesus. We just have to learn how to access it. It's not that today's truth is any greater than that necessarily because it's not. But the thing we're talking about today is extremely powerful, but for so many believers, it is non-existent in their lives. And it's not really our fault, and I'm not trying to place blame. It's not really your fault. It's that this subject is, is so often misunderstood. It's that it's ignored by a lot of leadership, a lot of pastors, a lot of teachers. and In many denominations, it's almost never discussed or it's viewed uh, as a kind of ceremonial, traditional, once a year kind of thing that some denominations do and, 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 and take it kind of their own way, get a little bit outside of scripture. It's not, any, it, 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 it's, it's not that it's not epically powerful, it's that it's epically ignored. And so I think that today is the most powerful message in this series because I believe that the Lord has given us an access point and a part of our design and our relationship with him. He has included this, and in his mind, in the mind of Christ, this is a, supposed to be a very normal 
significant part of our lives, but for so many of us, it isn't. So for those reasons, I think that this message might be the one that just hits us in a way nothing else has. And the subject this morning is fasting, is fasting. Now, I know some of you immediately uh, hear the word fasting, and you want to change churches, just immediately. Uh, And I get that. One of the women uh, I love and respect the most in this life hates fasting with all of her heart. And I'm not going to tell you that's Terry Broom, but she does it (laughs) because she knows how powerful it really is. Uh, and, and, you know, when they say do things with a joyful heart, there's a reason Jesus didn't connect that to the teaching of fasting because it, it sometimes you just, you do it and it's not with a joyful heart. But I, I want to, I want to take a, a time this morning. I want to teach this and I, I want to, I want to give you a few perspectives, just a few perspectives to open up our heart and our mind to this. There's nowhere in any denomination, in any true, genuine Christian church, that the concept of baptism is really debated in terms of its importance. Everybody knows that baptism is a significant part of our relationship with God. It's, a, it's something that God commands us to do, Christ commands us to do. It is an epic part of the church. It's just an amazing uh, act of worship and obedience, and it literally declares war on hell because baptism is that public showing of faith you know, on whose side of the spiritual war you're on. You are now Jesus's, like the enemy thought he had you, uh, but baptism shows that he does not, that you are in fact Jesus Christ. And baptism is, is epic, it's powerful. And nobody really debates that. There's some little bickering and, and complaining about how, what baptism really should be and how you should do it, but nobody debates this. And I want you to understand the reason I'm bringing that up is because Jesus actually teaches and focuses more on fasting than he does on baptism. And another thing that is so important to our lives is the Lord's Supper. Uh, We call it communion. This is an epic part of our lives. This should be a part of our lives. It it is such a beautiful, powerful act of worship to take the wine and take the bread and to truly just sit and meditate and remember the the blood that was spilt on the cross by Jesus uh, and the flesh that was torn for our sins and just remember the crucifixion and remember what Jesus went through. And this is something that we should do regularly in our lives. And some people think we should do it every single day. Uh, Some people think we should do it every single week. Some people should do it once a month. Some people we do, there, again, there's the debate on how often and how much because it's, it's just, it's, but nobody debates on its epic importance. Yet Jesus teaches and focuses on fasting more than he does on teaching about the Lord's Supper. Nobody would argue that repentance and confession of sin uh, is, is not a part of our walk with Christ. It's a significant part of our relationship with Jesus. Yet in the New Testament, there is more teaching and focus on fasting than on repentance and on the confession of sin. So I'm want, what I don't want you hearing me, because sometimes I can just feel the Phariseeism and just rise up in us. What I don't want you to hear me say is that fasting is more important than baptism. Fasting is more important than the Lord's Supper. Fasting is more important than repentance. Fasting is more important than confession of sin. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that in the eyes of Jesus, in the perspective of the New Testament uh, church, Fasting was just as much a part of our life as baptism, the Lord's Supper, repentance, and confession of sin. 
that fasting is, should be a normal part of our life, that, that it's, it's just like that. In fact, the first scripture I'm gonna look at this morning just for a few minutes in Matthew 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is in the middle of that great teaching that Jesus, he comes out uh, of, of the desert, spend four days in the desert. We talked about that last week. He goes straight to the temple. He reads Isaiah. He establishes himself in that moment that he is the Savior, and then he begins to teach. And very shortly after that moment, his ministry began, Jesus went up on on uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Mount and, and begin to preach a sermon. And whether that was one day or that was a series of days, not, nobody's really sure. But this was where he kind of established himself kind of from the very beginning. He taught through significant amount of things, the very most basic and important things that are fundamental to following Christ. And a part of that was this, this Matthew 6, where he talks about giving, fasting, and prayer. And again, nobody would, or everybody who knows the faith knows how powerful prayer is and what prayer is to our lives. Everybody knows what giving is uh, in our relationship uh, with, with Christ, yet Christ taught about giving, fasting, and prayer simultaneously, putting them all on the same exact level. And so I want us just this morning, I want us to understand what fasting is, and then I want us to see the, the basic fundamental thought of the spiritual side of fasting. And then I wanna look at Jesus's perspective on this. And my hope, my prayer, and maybe you've seen a pattern through this series, is that this message would create a hunger in your life and in your soul uh, to become someone who fasts uh, for the Lord. And so I, I wanna look at this. And before we, Matthew 6, 16 is where we're gonna start. I wanna just tell you what fasting is, just to get this out of the way. Fasting is not eating food. Fasting is skipping a meal. Fasting is not eating for an entire day. Fasting is not eating for an entire 24-hour period, or fasting is not eating for a series of days. Fasting is simply not eating food uh, in general. Now, you have intermediate fasting and, and health fasting and, and fasting the cold. It's become super popular in the culture. Anybody's been rolling through social media or seen something or some one of your crazy friends, fasting's become part of their life. It's not Jesus fasting. It's not spiritual fasting, but it's like intermittent fasting or it's just fasting in general, juice fasting. Anybody, anybody like that? We're all the most unhealthiest church on the planet. Nobody knows people who do, do this. Well, you know me, I do it. I do I intermittent fast. And when I start getting a little chubbier than I want to be, I start not eating and it really helps to cut down uh, on that. But fasting's actually become extremely popular in our culture. But that type of fasting is, is, is not this type of fasting. That type of fasting is, is for health reasons or for whatever reasons. Spiritual fasting is not eating food, not feeding the physical body with the desire to be fed spiritually. That's what fasting is. And, and I, want us, I want us to look at that really fast in Matthew 6, 16. And I'm just gonna go through this quick because I wanna get to Matthew 9 where I think the Lord is just gonna give us his perspective on fasting. It says, when you fast, okay, stop right there, boom. It doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. When you give, when you fast, when you pray. For Jesus, there is just an expectation that fasting would be a normal part of our lives, that we are designed in a way to fast, that our, our bodies, and this is the part that's hard for us sometimes, but we are just as much physical as we are spiritual. 
And what, when, you, when you hear David in the Old Testament talk about fasting, every time he mentions fasting in the Psalms, he talks about it afflicting or touching or connecting to his soul. So it, I want you to understand that spiritual fasting is just that. It is physically not eating and the way that we are designed, and this is, this is I want you to understand, fasting is not a sacrifice. If you view fasting as a sacrifice, you're gonna miss it. It's not about laying something down in order to get something from God. It's not about that. That fasting is, is physiologically, the way that we are physically, emotionally, spiritually designed and created by God, that somehow by not physically feeding ourselves and becoming physically empty, that we open up our soul, our heart, and our mind to the Spirit of God to do work in our life somehow, some way. So I want, you to, I want you to see that. And Jesus, there's an expectation that this would be a normal part of our life, just like prayer, just like reading his word, uh, just like getting baptized when we give our life to Christ, just like doing the Lord's Supper, just like giving, that this should be a normal part of our life. So he says, when you fast, do not be somber like the hypocrites, all right? So point two, I'm not gonna hang out here long. Don't be somber, okay? So work super hard to not be grumpy, Work super hard, because they're not doing it intentionally, but you can just tell sometimes. I'm not gonna call anybody out, but when they're fasting, you're just walking, you're like, hey, how you doing? You're like, I'm doing fine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's real good. Okay, Jesus wants you to know up front that this is, this is not something to be somber about, that this is actually something epic, that this is powerful, that this is good, that this is something for your life, this is something that will feed your soul, uh, that if you can just get through that, that first couple hours and that first day, because we eat horribly, just as a people, we just eat horribly, and our body goes through this thing uh, called detox, where it takes all of the horrible junk that you feed it, and it pushes all the poison out, and it makes you feel really bad. So the worse you feel, that's how you know how horrible your diet is, okay? That's just some bonus information just for you to think about and consider. But this is, <laughs> someone's already deeply somber over there. I can hear them. But this is Jesus. He said, listen, don't be somber like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces to show men they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they already have their full reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be obvious to men, but only to your father who is unseen. In the Greek, it says just in secret, your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is just Jesus telling you the fundamental basics of fasting has nothing to do with anyone else. And it should never be done in a religious way. It should never be done in a ceremonial way. It should never be done in, in just in a traditional sense that it, it's not about uh, you looking like you're fasting, that fasting's not about exterior anything, that fasting is all about the interior. Fasting is all about the soul and the spirit. Fasting is all about you ultimately not being seen by people, but being seen by God. That, that when you fast, it is about a, it is about a desire and a, a, a hope and a belief that, that fasting and worshiping and walking in this way will open up your soul and open up your spirit to a connection to God that is deeper and greater than normal. 
And I want you to see this because I think sometimes we, we're, we don't know what to do with this last statement. It's on the end of giving, fasting, and praying. We talked about this at the beginning of the series, but that God actually says when you, when you fast, when you give, when you fast, when you pray, when you do these things with the right heart, I see that. This is the Father. This is the creator of the universe. I see that your heart is after me, that your heart is chasing me, that your heart is seeking me. And when I see you fast with your heart in the right place, I see it and I get involved and I actually reward you. One of the greatest scriptures in the Bible is in Hebrews 11. It talks about drawing close to God and, and seeking God in faith. And God says, uh, in order to seek me, in order to draw close to me, you have to believe two things. You have to believe one, that I exist. And the second thing is that I, I reward those who diligently seek me. So for God, I want you to just hear this. God says, I want you to want to draw close to me. I want you. In fact, that the this most significant reason Jesus died for our sins was not to die for our sins for sin's sake. Jesus died for our sins so that we could be in a deep, intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. That through the death and the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we can now approach the throne of grace confidently and boldly. We can, we can go after God and get in his actual presence right here and right now. That's what we have in Christ. And so he says, faith is, is knowing that I'm there, knowing that I exist, and knowing that when you diligently seek me, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to, to add to your life. I'm going to get involved in your life. I'm going to give back to you. We went through the two different words for reward in Matthew 6, and this is the one that's that uh, rest to, uh, to restore and to give back and to, 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 to give almost like what is already yours to put it back in your life. These are the things that we have in our relationship with Jesus. And fasting is an access point uh, that God has designed in our life that we can get more intimate and connected to God and that God actually rewards us for doing that. So I, I don't want you to miss that. I, I think people sometimes stay away from that because it's really easy to go, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't fast or you shouldn't pray in order to get a reward from God. Well, yeah, you super should because he super teaches us that. It's funny, the most religious people that are so pharisaical and all these other things, they're the same people that say crap like that. This is God of the universe saying, I want you to come after me. I want you to seek my presence. I want you to seek my help. I want you to seek my hand. I want you to come after me. And not only that, I want to reward you for doing so. I want to give of myself to you. I want to be your father and I want to take care of you. I want to be your king and I want to fight for you. I want you to come after me because you know there's nothing else in this world that can do what I do and him who I am to you. This is God saying, come after me, chase after me, seek after me, want to be intimate with me, want to spend time with me, and I will get involved in your life in a unique and a different way. So you can think whatever you want to think and say whatever you want to say, and you keep living your life that way, and I'm going to live my life this way because this way's awesome. Right? So I don't, don't let your inner religious self come out and go, you shouldn't be fasting for that. It's exactly why you should be fasting. It's exactly why you should be fasting. So I, I, want, us to, I want us to understand the basics of this. It's, 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 it's not eating. It's simply not taking food in with our heart set on connection with God. And I want to jump from there. I want to go deeper. I want to, I want to look at in Matthew 9, and this is going to be the primary scripture 
today, and I wanna just take my time, I wanna teach through this, because this is, this is so important. This is so important. This is literally Jesus' perspective on fasting in our lives today. And my hope and my prayer all week is that the Lord would take the next few minutes of this message and would create a deep hunger in your soul and in your life for fasting and ultimately for the presence of Jesus. This is the setting in Matthew 9. And you gotta, this is was one of my favorite stories about Jesus because he was just, he's Jesus. He's just super cool. He, he's walking down the road. He sees Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector. Um, he's, he's in the Jewish culture in this day and age, tax collectors were a traitor to their people. They worked for Rome. They were deeply hated. Uh, there were like sinners and then there were tax collectors. Like that's how the Jews kind of viewed them. And, and Jesus walks right up to Matthew, who seems to be one of the head honchos, uh, in, in this tax collecting world and chooses Matthew to be one of the disciples and one of the foundations of, of his church and his movement. Uh, and this just kind of creeps everybody out. This is one of the first big moves where the Pharisees realized Jesus wasn't like them. And, and he brings Matthew in. And then, then on top of that, Matthew's like, let's go back to my house. I got a bunch of sinners and tax collectors coming over tonight. We're gonna throw a party and we're gonna eat and we're gonna drink. It's gonna be a blasty blast. Jesus, do you wanna come? And Jesus is like, let's roll. Let's go there, okay? And, and the, you know, I, I want you just to hear me. Jesus is there. All the sinners are there. They literally, this is what the Bible says. All the sinners are there. All the tax collectors are there. And two groups of people show up to this party. And they're, they're kind of on edge because Jesus is just not being who they thought that he would be. And, and the Pharisees approach Jesus first. And they're like, hey, uh, you're surrounded by a lot of losers and a lot of sinful people and a lot of wicked people, like how can you let yourself get this close to them? And then Jesus has a conversation with them and he says, hey, uh, I didn't come uh, for the, the sick, or I didn't come for the healed and the well, I came for the sick. I'm, you know, like uh, a sick, per a well person, a healed person doesn't need a doctor, a sick person needs a doctor. I've come for the sick. Basically, I've come for those who know that they need me. I've come for the sinners. These are who I've come. These are why I'm coming to die for these people. And so they have their little interaction and then the Pharisees skimper off and defeat as they always do. And then another group shows up. And this other group is, is the disciples of John the Baptist. So John's still doing ministry at this point. John's, he, he actually may already be in prison, uh, but he's not dead yet at this point. And, and John the Baptist's disciples for a long time, they were looking for the Messiah. John taught them over and over and over again, I am not the Messiah, the Messiah is coming. And then when Jesus showed up, he points to Jesus, he says, that's the Lamb of God, that's the anointed one, that's the Savior, that's the Messiah. And so then all the, John's disciples were following Jesus around. Some of them just became Jesus' disciples, but they were all kind of on edge and they were all kind of watching the way Jesus lived his life to make sure, like, man, is this really the Savior, is this really the Messiah? And, and, and they show up and they see something that they don't like. And they see that Jesus and his disciples are just feasting. And, and this bothers them. They've been watching them for a long time. And, and this is what they have to say, Matthew 9, verse 14. At that time, John's disciples came to Jesus and asked, why is it that we and the Pharisees fast so often, but your disciples do not fast? Okay, so they're like, they're like, hey, we've been watching for a while, and all you guys do is eat. 
You just eat all the time. And we were there at the Sermon on the Mount because we were there when you got baptized because they're John, they're John the Baptist's disciples. We were there when John pointed you out and said you were the Lamb of God, when John declared that you were the Savior and the Messiah, when you got baptized, we were there when the Spirit led you out into the wilderness and you were gone for 40 days, no clue what you were doing, but then you show back up, the Bible says, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, you stood in the tabernacle, you declared yourself that you were kind of the Messiah, Savior did it a little bit clandestinely, but everybody kind of got the hint. And so we've been watching you, and, and then when you went to the Sermon on the Mount, you, you taught us about fasting, and you, you, you said that fasting is gonna be a part of our life, and, and, and fasting's an important part of our life, and that you expected fasting to be in our life. But we've been watching you guys, and you guys don't fast. And, and the disciples don't fast, and we fast all the time. And the Pharisees, they fast all the time. And so we just wanna know since we heard you out of your own mouth tell us that fasting was important and that fasting is going to be a part of our life and that, that when we fast, this is how we fast and that when we fast, the creator of the universe sees it and rewards us, why don't your disciples fast? Now, Jesus' answer, we cannot miss this. Jesus' answer actually tells us a significant amount about fasting and about what fasting does a significant amount. In fact, everything we would ever need to know about fasting is answered in this moment right here. And so this is what Jesus says. Classic Jesus. Can't just answer a question like a normal human. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? All right, so I'm sure John's, the, the, the Baptist disciples were like, great, he's doing that thing again. Somebody go get somebody that can understand what this man's talking about. He says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they'll fast. So after he kind of goes through this one statement, they start to pick up on what he's saying. They start to get it. They start to understand it. But right as they're about to understand it, then Jesus throws on something else. And I just want us to read that just so we can get super confused. You guys ready? Verse 16, he just jumps straight in. This is part of the answer. And I know some of the Bibles, they put a paragraph separation, they put a heading separation. Like, we did that. Right? that there, there should be no separation there. This is a part of that. He's answering that question, and this is a part of that answer. So then he just randomly goes, again, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth. I just, I just for a second, I want you to get in their shoes. They're like, why don't your disciples fast? And he's like, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on new cloth. And they're just like. <laughs> Did you get that? What, what, what? But he answers just like this. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on old garment for the patch will pull away from the garment and the worst terror will result. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will spill and the wineskins will be ruined. Instead, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Both are preserved. So if you don't know this, let me teach it to you really fast. You can't take clothes. Anybody buy clothes that shrink when you put them in the, in the dryer? Raise your hand. Get involved in the message. Raise your hand. Okay. 
every single thing that I buy shrinks. And not always instantly, but usually over the course of a couple of months, all my clothes start to shrink. It's usually because I'm getting bigger, not because they're actually shrinking. But every now and then I'll buy something. Like, like one of my buddies was like, hey, you need to go to H&M and you need to buy a couple of these cool t-shirts. They're really cheap. They're cheap for a reason. So I bought them. I wore them, washed them, shrunk up like a belly shirt. <laughs> there are reasons like you can buy five of them for $4 because they, they you one use, one use for me. He's like, we well, just got to hang everything up. I'm like, I'm not hanging all of my clothes up every single time I wear them. You keep doing that. I'm going to pay $10 for a real t-shirt. That way I can wash it. Just my opinion. But Clothes, a lot of clothes goes through a shrinking process in the washing process and the drying process. And if you, and all clothes do this a little bit. So if you have an old, if you have a, a new garment, right, and that you go through the process and it, it shrinks, it does its thing, it's, it's, it's gone through the process, it's not gonna shrink anymore, it's already shrunk. Then there's a tear in it. Well, to fix that tear, if you put a new cloth, a new cloth that hasn't gone through the shrinking process, if you put that on the tear, then when it goes through the shrinking process, it'll actually pull and rip apart the old garment so that it's more ruined than it was before. Does that make sense? All right, good, because you gotta get this. The second one's wine, okay? I don't know if you knew this. I don't know a lot of winemakers, but if you get new wine, new wine, because of the gas in it, it expands. And so in glass bottles, in modern times, it doesn't matter, but in these days, they had uh, wine skins made out of animal hide and flesh. And so what they would put the new wine and the new wineskins and the, the gas would go and the, the wine would expand and it, the new wineskins would expand with it. And it would be fine, everything's good. But if you take new wine and you put it in old wineskins, then the, when the new wine in the old wineskins expand, well, there's no more expansion left in wineskins, so it bursts and everything's ruined and it's not good. So the first thing I want you to understand about Jesus' answer is that Jesus' answer is a new thing. It's a new thing. And Jesus is saying up front, the way that they fast, the way, he, I'm about to answer it, I'm about to teach us, but he wants them to understand the new thing that I'm talking about when it comes to fasting is not gonna mix with the old reasons for fasting. This is, one of the, this is one of the most confusing, a lot of people, they stay away from this scripture because they don't know what, it could mean a thousand things, but if you just look at it, in reality, Jesus, in every gospel that talks about this question and fasting, he connects this statement to it. He's saying that fasting now is gonna serve a different purpose than fasting did in the Old Testament. One of the things he's about to tell them is that the reason that you're fasting, John the Baptist disciples, and the reason that the Pharisees are fasting are you're fasting for a very different reason than what my disciples will fast about later on. So up front, he wants them to know, I'm, I'm about to teach you something new that you don't understand yet, that is new. And it's not gonna go with the old mindset. It's not gonna go with the old covenant. In fact, the, the ceremonial fasting, there were other forms of fasting in the Old Testament, but almost all ceremonial fasting had to do with the forgiveness of sins or it had to do with mourning and repentance. And it was all about like, like just laying down in agony and repentance before God and getting the attention of God so they can receive forgiveness of sins so that judgment can be lifted. 
Well, anybody that knows the gospel knows that, that the ultimate atonement and the ultimate lamb of God laid on the cross for all of our sins. And so that our sins have been utterly, totally, completely forgiven. And we put our faith in Jesus Christ uh, that, that we have access to God now through the cross so that we don't, the, the old reasons for fasting, the ceremonial fasting and traditional fasting no longer applied. That's the ultimate point that he's trying to make right here. So that everything that they think they know about fasting no longer applies to believers and to those who are saved by grace in Jesus Christ. So what he's about, what he's teaching them is actually a brand new thing that has never been taught before in history. That's how significant this statement is. So I want to go back to it. Why don't you guys fast? And Jesus says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? And, and these Jewish weddings, uh, weddings weren't like a couple hours long. Weddings lasted for days, seven days to be exact, sometimes longer. And there would be huge celebrations and huge parties and huge feasts. And it was something everybody, the whole town looked forward to. And the guests of the bridegroom, this was, this was just uh, so much joy in this because they get to celebrate with their bro. They get to just have a blast. They just get to hang out and they get to feast. They get to celebrate. But also, just like in, in normal modern life, when you get married, you know, time with the guys tends to take a nosedive. Can I get an amen? Right? Just changes a little bit. It's just not the same. In this day and age, it was even greater and more pronounced. And so he's, he's hitting something that everybody really does understand in this culture. He's saying, while the bridegroom's still there, while, while, while there's still the celebration and the feasting happening, nobody's sad, nobody's mourning. But when the bridegroom's taken from them, then there'll be mourning, then there'll be sadness, then there'll be difficulty. So Jesus is using this analogy to t answer their question about fasting. And he says, my disciples... They're not fasting right now because I'm with them. I'm with them. I'm standing right here. I'm in their presence. So you cannot miss this. Jesus says, I can reach out and touch them. They can reach out and touch me. They can spend time with me right here and right now. If they need me, they just look to me and ask me, and I speak to them. I can hear them, and they can hear me. There is intimacy now between me and my disciples. There's intimacy and deep connection between my disciples and me. And so because there's this intimate connection right now, they don't need to fast. They don't need to fast because I'm with them. I'm in their presence. But there will come a time when I'm taken from them. There'll come a time when I'm not with them in this intimate way. There'll come a time when they won't be able to see me anymore. There'll come a time when my relationship with them will be unseen and will be deeply spiritual. It will be just as real as it is right now, but it will be different. They won't be able to see me with their eyes. They won't be able to audibly speak to me. And so in those days when the intimacy is not like it is right now, in those days, they will fast. So I want you to hear what Jesus is teaching. I want you to hear what Jesus is saying. That in those days, when I'm not with them in the same way I am right now, then they will fast. So for Jesus's perspective on fasting, 
Jesus says that fasting fills in the gap of intimacy in our relationship with him. That somehow when we begin to fast and we begin to not eat and our heart is set on God, that there is a spiritual connection that will take place that would otherwise not be there if we weren't fasting. For Jesus, fasting is all about intimacy with him. For Jesus, fasting is, is, is about moving our heart and our mind towards him. Fasting is about emptying ourselves out physically so that we can connect with him on a deeper way spiritually. That's what fasting is for Jesus. I'm with them right now. I'm in their presence right now. I can reach out and touch them. They can read out and touch me. If they need to ask me a question, they just ask and I respond. There'll come a time, though, when our relationship is different. And when that relationship is different, in those days, they will fast. So for Jesus, the days when you feel disconnected from God, when you get through a season where you're disconnected from God and you feel like he's a million miles away and you feel like you're trying to read the Bible, but you just, the words are just, it's like it's in some other language and you can't get it and you feel like you're just spiritually, you know, falling down and getting away. Those are exactly and precisely the moments that you need to start fasting in order to get back into the presence and the intimacy of Jesus Christ. Fasting is a normal part, should be a normal part of our life. I, I want to show you this in Acts really fast. Acts 13, verse 1. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. I want you to see how normal this is. Acts 13, verse 1. Now, there were prophets and teachers in Antioch, in the church being there, both Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius the Cyrenian, and Menaean, brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, as they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart then to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and having prayed and having laid the hands on them, they sent them off. Now, I want you, I want you to see this. Now, as they were ministering to the Lord, some of your translations say as worshiping the Lord and fasting. This is a picture-perfect view of what fasting is. Saul and, and, and Barnabas and Simeon and Lucius, they all got together one day and they said, hey, today, today we're gonna minister to the Lord. Today we're gonna seek the Lord. Today we're gonna worship the Lord. We're gonna set apart today and it's gonna be about seeking the Lord praying to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, ministering to the Lord, getting connected with the Lord. And they added fasting, meaning they did not eat either that day or a series of days. It was, a, it was, it was totally normal for them to be like, today I'm gonna give today to the Lord. I'm, I'm hungry for the Lord. I'm hungry for the presence of God in my life. I desire the word of God. I desire God to speak to me in his word. I desire to, to be lost in the spirit and the presence of God. I desire to be connected to him on a deep way. And so today I'm gonna minister to the Lord. I'm gonna worship the Lord. I'm gonna spend time in prayer to the Lord. I'm gonna not eat. I'm gonna fast and not feed myself physically to open myself up spiritually. And I'm gonna, I wanna spend either my lunch doing this or my dinner doing this or the whole day doing this or a series of days doing this. I wanna give this time and this moment to the Lord. 
And what is so powerful as you see is that, there, that in this moment, the Holy Spirit began to move in their life and speak to them and lead them and guide them. And then they felt like after that, after the Spirit spoke to them clearly and moved, they said, then having fasted and they continued to fast and continued to pray. And then they laid their hands on Saul and Barnabas and they sent them off. And so I, I, want, I want you to hear what I'm telling you this morning. And I wanna be very clear how I say this. And I would just, because there's, there's some denominations that don't like the language that I'm about to use, but I have always and I will always choose the word of God over what man of God thinks about the word of God. So I want, to, I want you to hear something. Jesus is not a mythological distant king. He is an invisible king and he is reality. He is truth. He is real. The spirit of God is inside of you. The presence of God is a very real thing. The spirit of God moves in our heart and in our mind and in our life. Jesus is a living and active king who is in the middle of building his church and managing his church and he is administering justice on the earth. He is in the middle of advancing his kingdom on the earth. Right here, right now, despite whether we choose to acknowledge it some days, Jesus is a very real living king. The presence of God God is real. We have access to the presence of God. And what Jesus teaches us is that we can actually open up our heart and open up our mind and open up our soul in a very unique and different way by fasting, by taking a Monday or taking a Wednesday or taking a Saturday or taking a lunch period and saying, today I'm going to minister to the Lord and I'm not going to partake physically. I'm going to open myself up spiritually so that I can experience the presence of God in a deeper way. This is reality. This is real. This is something that you can add into your life right here, right now, today. When you feel distant, you ask me, when, when do I fast? The second you feel distant from God, you begin to fast. I know it may not make sense to your schedule. It may not make sense to the culture, but what you need to know is that living and walking in the spirit and the presence of Jesus is far more important than anything else you could possibly be doing with your day. The second you feel like Jesus is distant, that's the time to start fasting. The second you feel like your love is growing cold, that's the time to start fasting. Jesus says right now, they don't need to fast because I'm right here with them. In the future, I won't be with them in the same way. That is when they fast. That is when they empty themselves out physically so that I can show up in their lives spiritually. Your spiritual you is significantly more powerful than the physical you. It's the spiritual you that will dictate the way the physical you goes in this life. And Jesus says, if you want me to be involved in your life in this intimate way, fast is the way I've designed for you to get to that place. That's what fasting is. That's what fasting is. And there's power in it. And I've, I have, I've prayed all week long about how I would close this out. But because of the nature of fasting and one of the very first things Jesus teaches about is it's not about the attention of men and women. It's not about the attention of people, that it's a secret thing and it should be between you and God. But I, I have felt led all week to just share with you my personal testimony of fasting. And I can stand before you right now. I've been walking with Jesus since I was 17. And I've been pastoring this church since 2012, 13. And I'm, I want to tell you something. Fasting, truly fa understanding what fasting is and adding it into my life has significantly changed everything about me and about my relationship with Jesus. 
Fasting is a very normal part of my life. And there are times when I don't know where to go. There are times when I enter into dry seasons. There are times when I'm hungry for the, I take what I do so serious. And I know that every single week when I stand up here, you cannot hear from me. You've got to hear from the Spirit of God. And you've got to, I have to study and dissect the Word of God. But the, what the Bible teaches is the only way that you learn this book is if the Holy Spirit teaches you this book. And so there are seasons when I'll go away for a day or three days or a while and I'll fast and I'll pray and I'm telling you, I just wanna tell you the things that happen in those moments. I feel the presence of God in a way I simply don't when I'm not fasting. The Word of God comes to life in a new way. The Spirit of God begins to lead you through His Word in a way that I had never experienced prior to fasting. There is freedom that comes from fasting. There are spiritual victories in my life that came during seasons of fasting. Fasting prepares your heart and your mind when it comes to prayer and guidance and direction. You know, we got to remember uh, in, in Romans 12, it says, lay down your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not conform, let your minds be renewed so that you can be transformed, so that you can discern the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Part of discerning that will of God so often for me is getting alone with the Lord and beginning to fast and pray and minister to the Lord. And, and the Spirit just gives me discernment over the direction to go in life. And I, I think what I'm telling you, and this may be your first day here, and this may freak you out, and you just may leave and never come back, and I love you with all of my heart. I don't want you to do that. But if you've been here for a while, and you have felt the Spirit of God move in your life, and you have felt the Word of God speak to you and change you and add value to your life and transform you. You've been in this room or you've been at home and you felt the Spirit of God just tug on your heart, bring conviction, and you've given your life to Christ. I want you to understand a significant amount of the knowledge and the understanding that comes from this Word shows up during seasons and times of fasting and prayer that when we go to make decisions as a leadership team, fasting and prayer is a part of that. I, I, want you, I want you to hear me. Fasting is an access point. It is powerful and it should be in our lives. Not from a religious standpoint, not from a ceremonial standpoint, not from a traditional standpoint, but it should be exactly what Jesus said it was. When we wanna get into the presence of God, when we wanna go deeper with God, when we wanna reclaim that intimacy with Him, when we want the Word of God just to come to life, when we have a hunger for the Spirit and for the presence of God to enter into a season of fasting. This is something the Lord gives us as a gift to us to do. And so I prayed all week that the Lord would just move in your heart, in your life, in your mind and create a hunger in you for him and for fasting. And I wanna challenge you. If you have never fasted before, seriously pray about adding this into your life. Um, it's, it's a part of our relationship with Jesus. And it will significantly change your relationship with him. And it will make Jesus so real to you in a powerful, powerful way. And so I'm gonna ask everybody to stand and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And that prayer is gonna be that the Lord will take this word 
and create a significant desire for him and for that intimacy and that you would have the courage to give fasting a try. Let's pray together. Father God, I, I come before you. I pray, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would let this word this morning, let your words in Matthew 6, let your words in Matthew 9, let it permeate our heart, our soul, and our mind. I pray, Lord, that you would create a absolutely distinct desire, God, for being intimate with you and that we would understand to the fullest extent that fasting is a part of that design, that fasting is a part of our life, that you have given us this, God, as a gift and an access point to you. And Lord, that we would have the courage and the faith and the humility, Lord, to add fasting into our life. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that seeks your face, that we would be a people that come after you, that we would be a people that chase you, God. And I pray, Lord, as we begin to humble ourselves and seek you in fasting, God, that your presence would be epically strong in our life, that you would open up your word and teach us in a way you never have. God, that we would feel your power on our life. I pray, Lord, right now for every single person that fasts this week, for every single person that adds this to their life, I pray, Lord, that you would do what you promised, that you would see them, God, and that you would reward them in your holy, holy name. Amen.